This is episode 197, featuring race strategy advice for the major race distances, how to choose a pacing approach that works best for you, and why your race strategy could hand you your next big personal best. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to will help you refine your approach to racing. We're discussing numerous race strategies, what race distances they're best suited to, and why you should vary your race strategy. But before we start, I want to make sure we're showing up to the same meet today. On this show, you can expect conversations between me and the thought leaders in the running industry to give you the knowledge, the mindsets, and tools to get faster, stronger, and become a more capable athlete. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. Don't miss our YouTube channel, where we have hundreds of videos on form drills, how to stay healthy and run with better form, strength workouts, coaching lessons, and a lot more. Go to youtube.com strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. And we now have a newly designed website. So please visit it, poke around, and let me know what you think. I'd be very curious about your feedback. Since 2010, we've been helping runners level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. And our sponsor for today, Elemental Labs, helped make this episode possible. They make high-sodium electrolytes to help manage your hydration needs. And they have released an all-new flavor just in time for summer, watermelon salt. It's delicious, it encourages me to drink more fluids, and I honestly just feel better when I have more electrolytes after my runs. It also just happens to be their number one most requested flavor. Go to drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning, and you can sign up for a free sample pack. You'll get four flavors, and the only thing you'll have to pay for is the cost of shipping. All right, guys, our episode today is about racing and the pacing approaches available to you to help you run your best. Most of us would love to run faster, right? I know I would. (laughs) And a big part of that is how you approach racing. And I know that over the years, I've gotten countless questions about race strategy, like how do I negative split a marathon? Should I run even splits or run the first few miles a little bit slower? How do I get through the middle of a race where I always slow down? When do I know if I should go out really fast? And I want to give you a set of guiding principles that will help you select the race strategy that works best for you, because race strategy can take many forms. Maybe you're trying to win your age group. Maybe you're trying to run a new personal best. Or maybe you're just trying to finish the race. No matter the goal, a good race strategy is a must-have to perform at the level that you'd like to. And I know for me, when I look back on my running career, the type of race strategy that I have used has often dictated success or failure. And I want to tell you a quick story about a very scary race that I ran back in 2006. It was the 800 meter. Now, I am not a middle distance runner. (laughs) If you've ever seen me sprint, you know this. I cannot run very, very fast. 
but occasionally our college coach would have the distance runners do a 4 by 400 meter relay or a 4 by 800 meter relay and it was during this interesting part of the season where what I was doing was essentially waiting to find out if I had qualified for this important meet coming up and if I did then I'd have one more race but until then my season was over and so my coach decided hey let's put slow Jason <laughs> in the 4 by 800 and that's exactly what he did and I decided to treat this race like it was the last race I ever was going to run and I decided to be so aggressive. Now, the 800 meters is two laps around an outdoor track. It is a very short, very fast race. You're basically trying to be at a controlled sprint the entire time. And at the time, I had run a 208 800 meter time. This is not a very fast time in the grand scheme of things. It certainly made me one of the slower 800 meter runners on the team, even though it wasn't a race I really focused on, but it was a great way for us endurance athletes to practice running fast. So I decided that as soon as I was gonna get that baton, I was gonna run under 60 seconds for the first 400. Now for a lot of runners, that might seem slow, for some runners, it might seem very fast, but at the time, for me, it was a very aggressive effort. It was something that I knew I was likely going to smash into a brick wall and start slowing down immediately. And so what I did was I went out in 59 seconds for the first 400 meters of this race. And even though I told my coach I was going to go out fast, he actually lied to me. He told me that my first split was 60. He yelled out 60 because he knew that if I heard 59, my brain would just seize up and I wouldn't be able to comprehend that opening split and my mind would sabotage me. But my goal was really just to go out so hard and then just see what happened. And so I went out in 59 seconds and I held on for dear life. I tried to push forward and sprint as hard as I could and finish strong. And when I finished that race, I had a very pronounced positive split. I went out in 59 and then I closed the second 400 in 66 seconds. That is a very big positive split. It is not something that I should probably be telling tens of thousands of people right now. <laughs> it's not very impressive at all, but it did one very important thing. It gave me a new PR, and it gave me a new PR by about three seconds, which over 800 meters is a huge, substantial PR. And I want to impress upon you that sometimes you just have to bet on yourself. Sometimes you have to take a chance. You have to take a risk, and it won't always be fun. It won't always feel good, but sometimes you'll get the desired outcome. And that's what makes it worth it. Now, that 800 meter race was actually an outlier for me because I traditionally like to run a little bit more evenly. I like to try to run whatever my goal pace is as consistently as possible. But I wanted to tell you that story to tell you that sometimes, depending on the race distance or depending on your own mentality, you might wanna take an entirely new approach to your pacing in a given race. And so that is why I want to give you some general guidelines for, generally speaking, some effective and productive ways to pace certain distances 
but I also want to give you some very specific race strategies and then also give you the flexibility to choose any of these race strategies based on your own goals. So let's talk about some of those short races. Maybe you're racing the mile or the 3K or the 5K. These are very short, very fast races. And there's more opportunity in those short races to be a little bit more aggressive, to treat the race sort of like how I treated that 800 meter race, to go out a little bit fast, to not let yourself warm up over the first one or two miles, or even the first 400 or 800 meters of the race. These short races lend themselves to more of a negative split type of a race strategy than some of the longer races. So for example, in the 5K, if your goal is to run, let's just say seven minutes per mile, you might want to run seven minutes per mile for the first two and a half miles, and then start kicking really hard to see if you can negative split that race. But the shorter the race, well, you can be even more aggressive. You can go out a little bit faster than your goal pace, especially if you're running a mid-distance event like the 800, like the mile, or maybe even the 3K or 2 mile. Once you start getting into the 5K and 10K distances, then now we're starting to be in the realm of let's try to run as evenly as possible and hope for a negative split later in the race. So those short distance races are a little bit different than the longer races. So let's talk about some of those longer races. Let's talk about the half marathon. The half marathon is a great event. It's basically the longest event that you can run and not have it really destroy your legs and take a ton of recovery time after the race. So you could run a half marathon today and well, race another half marathon two weeks from now. So they're very approachable, and that's sort of unlike the marathon, where if you run a marathon today and it doesn't go well for you, you really can't go and run another marathon a week or two from now. You have to let your body recover, and when it comes to the marathon, it's sort of like putting all your eggs in one basket. You have to give yourself the time to recover, and then the time to prepare all over again. But when it comes to the half, since it is so approachable, we can be more aggressive than the marathon when it comes to our pacing approach. So one of my favorite pacing approaches for the half marathon is to treat the race as two different races. The first race is the first 10 miles of the half marathon. And generally speaking, I want to run as consistent and evenly as possible. So let's just say my goal pace is seven minutes a mile, I would run a, want to come through the 10-mile mark in this half marathon in 70 minutes. I want to be as consistent and strict as possible with that pace as I can be. And if that's the case, I know I'm going to have a good race because the second race starts at the 10-mile mark. That's where we're going to start racing a 5K. And I would encourage most runners to not start racing a 5K when they hit the 10 mile mark in a half marathon. That's not exactly the frame that we're going for, but I want you to start thinking in terms of effort, in terms of difficulty. The first 10 miles is sort of like a tempo run, but the final 3.1 miles, the effort should be very similar to a 5K, even though you're not going to be running 5K pace. And that's because 
as the race goes on, you're obviously going to get more tired and it's going to take even more effort to try to maintain your pace. And in a half marathon, if you can run even splits over the course of 13.1 miles, I think that's a successful race. And that leads us to the longer of the long races, the marathon. We're not going to get into ultra marathons in this podcast because I think the pacing approach for those distances, the ultra, ultra distances is very different. And it's almost like talking about a whole new sport, sort of like if we were talking about pacing the 200 meter, a sprint and an ultra are very different. But in the marathon, there are some tried and true pacing strategies that I think work for almost every runner. Now, the first thing that I would have runners do in the marathon is take the first mile or two a little bit slower than your goal pace. That's because most runners typically don't do a warm-up before their marathon. And then we do this for a couple of reasons. Number one, we don't really need to. For a lot of runners, their marathon pace isn't substantially faster than their easy running pace. So we don't really need much of a warm-up after all. And the other reason, too, is because doing a lot more other running besides just the marathon itself is going to start eating into our carbohydrate stores. So we don't really want to start eating into those stores using excess carbohydrate because then when we start the race, our stores of fuel are simply going to be less topped off as they could be. So we want to conserve as much fuel as possible. That's why we typically don't do any running before a marathon. But we're going to take the first mile or two nice and easy. We're going to warm up through those first one or two miles, ease into our goal pace, and then from there run as consistently as possible until about mile 22, mile 23, maybe mile 24. When you're in the final miles of a marathon or really any race, now is when all your pacing considerations are moot. Here, they don't really matter. Here, I want, to, I want you to show me what you can do. So if you're at mile 24 of a marathon and you've been running consistently, you basically have two options. Option one is to stay the course. If you're going to reach your goal by running the pace that you're currently running and you think you can maintain it until the finish line, then go for it. Just stick with that pace and you can finish strong that way. But Maybe you're running the pace you're supposed to be running and you actually feel really good. Maybe you have two or three miles left and you don't feel that normal crushing fatigue at the end of a marathon. Now is a good opportunity for you to start speeding up, to put in a surge, or to try to run the next mile a little bit faster than the old pace that you were previously running. And so in a marathon, you always wanna start a little bit slow, run as consistently as possible for as long as possible. And only then, in the final miles of the race, give yourself the opportunity, the flexibility to run faster if you're feeling good. Now, full disclosure, you probably won't feel good. <laughs> there were very few marathons that I ever ran where I felt good in the final four or five or six miles. But sometimes it happens. Sometimes the weather works out, your training goes perfectly, you just feel amazing, you've gotten just the right amount of sleep and recovery, and when all that magic happens at the same time, that's when you can 
throw down a potential negative split in the marathon. It's very difficult, but we could potentially do it if we're even and consistent with our splits and we give ourselves that opportunity later in the race. So if you're running a marathon, if you have 26.2 miles coming up in your future, I want you to take it a little bit easy at the beginning and then run as consistently as possible. If you feel good with a couple miles to go, go for it. Okay, so those are some general strategies for the short middle distance events, those classic distance events from 5K to the half marathon, and then a more unique approach for the marathon itself. Now, those are general race strategies. You can, of course, do something different. You can do something wildly different. And what I want to do now is give you several types of race strategies that you can try no matter the distance of the race. Now, unless you're racing an 800, we talked about that before, where you know, I had a positive split to that race for me personally in this example, but I still ended up with a PR. And if you look at the elite level, if you look at world-class 800-meter performances, most of those races do have positive splits. And if you're running a marathon, you know, it's very arguable that even splits are the best in a longer race like that. But for most races, I tend to think a negative split strategy is definitely the way to go. Now, a negative split race is is very simple. Let's not get worked up about the running jargon here. <laughs> a negative split race is a race where the second half is faster than the first half. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that at the halfway point you have to speed up, but instead you just have to at some point make the second half of the race a little bit faster than the first. Now, one of my favorite ways of actually putting this into practice is to try to run the last 5, 10, or 15% of the race faster after having run very even splits up to that point. You'll notice this dovetails nicely with my approach in most other race distances that we talked about before. Try to run even, but at the end of the race, try to kick hard and finish strong. So let's use an example here. Let's say we run a 10K and you're trying to run eight minute mile pace. Well, what you might do is run the first five miles at eight minute mile pace. And once you hit your five mile mark right at 40 minutes, then you can try to speed up just slightly over the next mile and then really plan for a hard, fast, strong finishing kick over the last two, three, or 400 meters of the race. This would be a great execution of a negative split race, running the majority of the race at an even pace, and then having a little bit of a pace change later on. In the last mile, you're picking it up slightly, trying to compensate for that fatigue, and then you really turn on the afterburners for the final 200 or 400 meters of the race. So the next time that you're looking at your splits for your last race, maybe you're looking at your fancy GPS watch and you see that you slow down in the second half of the race, this is something that you can work on. You can make a change to go out a little bit easier the next time that you race. You can try to run a bit more consistently over the first 80 to 90% of that race. And if you do, you'll have an excellent chance of speeding up during the second half so that you can hopefully run a nice negative split race. Now my next 
racing strategy is one that I like to jokingly call, let Jesus take the wheel. And this is exactly the approach I used in the 800 meter race. Now, starting a race conservatively, being realistic, and planning for that negative split, those are all great strategies, but sometimes you have to go all in. There comes a race where every runner needs to take a risk and start fast, very fast. Now, when I was in college, just like with that 800 meter example I gave you, I used to joke with my teammates that whenever I run a short race like the 800 or the mile, I'd run the first half much faster than my average goal pace and then let Jesus take the wheel. Why would I start significantly faster than a PR pace and then simply hope that I didn't crash and burn? Well, it's a simple question to answer. Sometimes it's the only way to find out what you're made out of. Race breakthroughs don't happen if you're always conservative. So when you're in really good shape, you can afford to take a big risk like this and start a race much faster than you think you should. So let's just say your PR in the 5K is about 21.42. That's about seven minutes per mile and you've had a couple months of amazing training. Well, it's time to gamble. In this hypothetical scenario, let's have you run the first two miles in 13.30 or 6.45 per mile, and then hang on for dear life. If you're successful, you could end up with a 45-second PR. That's enormous in a short race like a 5K. Now, I know that the cautious among you might be asking, but won't I slow down, feel terrible, and run slower than my PR? Well, sure, that could happen. And it's actually more probable than you having a breakthrough race. But with no risk, there's no reward. The next time you're in very good shape, take a gamble, let Jesus take the wheel, and you might just have that breakthrough. Because if things are going your way, the only way to find out if you're capable of that breakthrough is to give it a shot. Now let's talk about a race strategy that can really help you if you find yourself slowing down in the middle of a race. Oftentimes this happens without you even realizing it. You know, your legs start getting tired, your breathing becomes more labored, and maintaining that goal pace of yours gets more difficult. And if you think about it, the effort that it takes to run whatever your goal pace is during mile eight of the half marathon is exponentially harder than the first mile. And so the solution to this problem is to look at your splits from previous races at the same distance and try to find out where this slowdown occurs. If you have the data from your previous couple races, you can usually find a common point in any race distance where you start to fade. Now, if you're new to a race distance, a good tip to remember is that the average slowing point will occur just after halfway. So usually between halfway and about three quarters of the race. And so once you've looked at your race data, once you've found the point at which you typically start slowing down, now let's surge at this exact moment in your next race. Just pick up the pace a little bit. It doesn't have to be that much faster than your goal pace, but consciously thinking about your pace when you normally have trouble will be a mental reminder to not let it slip. This doesn't necessarily make it easier to keep pushing yourself, but it does help prevent unintentional pace creep that's so common. Now, I also think you should practice this in training. 
because when you're in the middle of a race, trying to speed up from what feels like your goal pace is admittedly very difficult. And so, like any racing tactic, we should really practice this in training first. So what I would like to see runners do who are interested in this strategy is maybe include a few one to two minute surges during your next long run. This is another way of practicing running fast, especially when you're tired. So if doing these surges in the final third or quarter of your long run is a wonderful way of practicing pace variability and making your pace faster when you're already tired. You could also try using a hammer interval during a next workout. And a hammer interval is simply running maybe the second or third to last repetition of whatever workout you're running almost as fast as you can. And then going back to your normal goal pace for that workout for the final one or two repetitions. Both of these workouts will teach your mind and your body, very important, you've got to teach both, both your mind and your body to increase its effort during a workout similar to your goal race. And if you can do it during training, you can certainly do it in a race situation. So there we have it, guys. There is some of my best race strategy advice. Not only are we talking about general race strategy tips for various distances, but I wanted to give you some formal workouts, some formal race strategies for you to try the next time you're out there racing. Now, I want to impress upon you that none of these strategies are perfect. They will not work every time, but they are fun. They are interesting ways to make racing more fun, to learn more about your capabilities and to learn more about how you handle stress. So the next time you're doing a time trial, a virtual race, or if you're lucky, a real race, give one of these a try and I'd love to hear how it works for you. Now, I actually borrowed some of these strategies from our free download 13 Lucky Race Strategies. And this is a collection of 13 different race strategies that I crowdsourced from all kinds of different athletes, runners, coaches like Jay Johnson, Mario Fraioli, Jeff Goddett, Doug Hay, Susan Lack, Matt Frazier, Mark Kennedy, and yours truly. There's so many other folks involved in there, but if you go to strengthrunning.com coaching, you will see in the books section, 13 lucky racing tips for your next personal best. You can download this for free from that link, and you can hear from all of these amazing runners and coaches exactly how they like to pace their races. And then finally, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Elemental Labs, they have recently released their first new flavor of 2021, their most requested flavor, watermelon salt. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, I just recently posted a story about the box that they sent me. They have one of those large ice cube trays, and I'm so excited to freeze up some watermelon salt water and use that in a cocktail soon. Now that it's heating up here in Denver, I think a late afternoon cocktail sounds just perfect. Now, if you're not familiar with Elemental Labs, I love this company. I just got a new shipment of electrolytes myself, and these electrolytes don't have any sugar, no artificial ingredients or colors, and I'm very partial to the citrus flavor, which I honestly can't get enough of. It's tasty and delicious, and it's something that I really enjoy when I do any running more than about 45 minutes. 
And for any of you guys who might be running five or more days per week, maybe you're training for a longer event or it's summertime for you and you're a high sweater, an electrolyte replacement makes a lot of sense. And I'm very encouraged by the fact that Navy SEAL teams, Olympic teams, and pro athletes have all started using elemental electrolyte supplements to improve their performance. You can check them out at drinklmnt.com strengthrunning, and you can get a free sample pack, four different flavors. All you have to do is pay for shipping. It's only five bucks here in the United States. All right. Thank you guys for being here. I so appreciate all the reviews of the show that many of you have left recently on Apple Music. Those are surprisingly important and they help other runners discover us. So if you haven't yet, I would love a review on Apple Music. Thank you again and we'll be in touch soon.